Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. When you're traveling, you don't have access to your amazing sex goodies stash. So you start to pack your lube for sexy time in your toiletry bag. And when you open your bag back up, the lube you packed, of course, spills all over your toothbrush, makeup, and floss picks. Enter a brand new product from Uber Lube that will get your lube to your destination without spillage. They're new good to go travelers, perfect for your purse, pocket, gym bag, or carry-on luggage. The Good To Go Traveler features the same Uberloop product in a discreet aluminum traveler that comes in six colors. Try Uberloop and their Good To Go Traveler now with code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberloop.com. When it comes to anal sex, what comes to mind? If you're a beginner like so many of us out there, maybe you feel scared, unsure, or just plain uneducated. Future Method can help with that. Founded by a doctor and anal sex expert, Future Method develops science-backed products and non-judgmental doctor-led education to maximize pleasure, eliminate injury, and empower the way people choose to play in the bedroom. They even have a blog started by the gay community and now for everyone that puts education at the forefront on topics both popular and taboo. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at futuremethod.com. Let's talk about vacation sex. If you're like me, I bet you want a little pleasure while you're away, but can't fit your entire sex toy collection in your carry-on, huh? Say hello to the Magic Wand Mini. Born into such a famous family, this little wand has quite a reputation to uphold. Challenge accepted. Offering big power, multiple speeds, and unsurpassed quality, the full-featured Magic Wand Mini is more than simply a smaller sibling. It's here to create a legacy all its own. Want to win a Magic Wand Mini for your next trip or staycation? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magicwand to learn more. In a world that constantly encourages you to change, it's bold to just be yourself. Sexual expression and satisfaction are different for everybody, so rather than conforming to others, focus on falling in love with who you are. Lion's Den sources the very best products to help you find what you like and help you feel confident expressing your sexual desires. You can get 15% off in-store and online using code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com to begin exploring everything about yourself. Follow them on social at lionsdenadult on Instagram and TikTok. Hello, friends and lovers. Happy, happy day it is today. I am bringing you another episode of my mom today. She's been on a trillion times She'll be on a trillion more, Dr. Rebecca Levy-Gant. If you're wondering why why is she Levy-Gant and your DB, Danielle Bezalel? Well, my mom is not married to my dad anymore. Her maiden name is Levy, and my stepdad's last name is Gant. So there you have it, in case you were wondering. Uh, My mom is an amazing OBGYN, and in this episode, we talk about the fact that she delivered her last OB patient, which is a really, really big milestone. I'm so incredibly happy for her. I'm proud of her and feel for her. Uh, It's a really, really big day. I was really feeling lucky to get to interview her on this day. Uh, And we talk all about infections, vaginal infections and conditions. And she gives a lot of really great insight in this episode. So make sure you listen up. Uh, Before we get to that, I want to shout out our amazing partners if you haven't bought anything with my discount code, what the frick are you doing, you, you silly goose? Uh, go to sexedwithdb.com slash discounts to check out all of the amazing discount codes. Uh, basically, it's just sex ed with DB everywhere. Spoiler alert. But for 15% off some of your and my favorite brands. And rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We will read your review on an episode of the podcast. And this was a really, really wonderful review. I'm excited to read it to you right now. Uh, thank you to With Flag for giving this amazing review. I'm going to read it right now. Uh, the title is Sex Ed You Didn't Know You Needed. My husband and I have been listening to the show for a while and we both love it. My husband and I grew up with very different levels of sex ed provided in school and this show fills in those gaps. Sex Ed with DB goes beyond what you might have learned in high school and explains topics we never knew too much about. 
being a cisgender couple and gives more details that make us stronger as a couple. It might sound crazy, but the show has made our sex life better, helped us both be more comfortable and open in the bedroom, and most of all made us communicate more openly about sex together. I thought we had great a great sex life before, but Sex Ed with DB has definitely improved it. Holy shit. This is like the coolest review I've ever read. Thank you so much to With Flags for sharing this. I have chills by just uh, feeling like I've played that part in your lives. And I'm really honored and privileged to be able to do that. So thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I am going to throw up. I'm so excited. Those are so nice. But uh, anyway, I'm really, really happy and also privileged to introduce for the millionth and one time my mom. Hello, mom. Hi, Dan. What's up? (laughs) Oh, as you know, lots up. Lots of things are up. (laughs) Lots of things are up. Today is a really, really important day for you. Do you want to talk about what today is for you? Uh, it's a lot of things. Um, I think, not sure if this is the biggest thing, because of course, this is also the day that my first child was born. So I'll have to give that some credit. So it's, it's your brother's birthday. Mm-hmm. Hi, Jake. He's 33. Um, <laughs> yep. And today is the day that I made a huge change in my practice pattern. And I can give you kind of the de- the short story on the details is that for the last 30 years, <laughs> I've been practicing OBGYN as a full scope um, physician. And about a year ago, and I think we did talk about it on the show, my plan was I'm getting older and you know, delivering babies while I love it is extremely hard on the body and on the sleep pattern and on the family time and all that. So about a year ago, I decided there would be an end point to when I would stop where I would stop delivering babies. And that was to be August 1st of this year, which meant everyone that was currently pregnant had to deliver by August 1st. So I thought my last person would deliver pretty close to that date, maybe the week before or so, but it just so happens my last pregnant person delivered today. Today! (laughs) We caught you on the day. (laughs) You caught me about six hours after it happened and on a completely no sleep night. (laughs) Oh, are you super exhausted? I bet. Well, the thing was, she called me about one in the morning. She delivered around, I don't know, 6.30 this morning. And of course, once the call comes in, it's just my nature. I I go there. I I don't always stay the whole night in the hospital if I'm not sure that someone's going to deliver right away, but I had a feeling she would. And I just stayed there and delivered her and then never really got to sleep. So um, it kind of embodies everything good and bad about why I wanted to deliver and why it's time that I stopped delivering, which is I love the energy. I love the rush. I love taking care of people. I love delivering babies. I love presenting people with a baby and they're all so happy. I love when it goes great, which is kind of like a unicorn right now because a lot of deliveries don't go so great anymore mm. um, with a lot of high-risk things happening and complications, but this one was really good. It was so nice, and everybody was very happy, and I just had a like a weird, happy, sad feeling along with it, like, you know, so happy to do it, so happy I'm done, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and... Um, It's weird because it's like anybody who goes through a major life transition, like you go from one job to another or you retire, there's that little voice in the back of your head that says, are you sure? That says, who are you? Mm -hmm. Without it? If you don't do that. Yeah. Is that something that's present for you? Yeah. I mean, I know I have plenty of other things. I'm not retiring. I'm certainly going to be doing gynecology. I love that. I run my own practice. Everything's great. But- I don't remember a time of me really being an adult and not delivering babies and and not staying up all night and not, you know, feeling tired and sad that I might miss a family function Mm -hmm. and planning around my delivery calendar, which that's all just necessity. It was all just part of the job. But that's going to be such a major change now that I it's it's only today. Right. So I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. 
Yeah, it is such a part of your identity. And it doesn't mean that that part goes away. I mean, that was such a large chapter of your career. And you had so many dreams of doing that for such a long time. And I imagine it feels like a very strange feeling to feel like, okay, well, I I don't have another patient that I'm going to be delivering again. Yeah. And and it really struck me kind of yesterday when I was like, what kind of travel plans might I like to make in the new year? And that's never been a question that I could answer without saying, wait, let me look at every month of the year and see who's going to deliver when and how can I work around that? You know, my it's almost feeling like my life has really not been my own. And I'm sure, you know, you and your two brothers have this, you know, identity of me always going out in the middle of the night and totally. someone else taking care of you and, you know, me coming home either really happy and, and satisfied or really upset and, you know, taking it to heart when there were complications or something happened that, that was not expected. And it's just, it's a huge part of me. Yeah. I'm even getting emotional just thinking about that <laughs> because obviously it's your life and you're like this independent person who this impacts the most. But as your kid, I think there is a big transition process for me too, you know, as someone who's always known like, oh, well, you can't do that because you have a patient or you can't be too far from home. And that has been, you know, I've always been so proud of you and so inspired by how seriously you take your career and how much you love it and how passionate you are about it. But I also am very excited to like get that part of you back a little bit or, mm, or, sure. or that's, it's never been there actually. So it's going to be a completely new experience. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I feel really excited about that new phase for you and for all of us. Yeah. And it doesn't at all take away from like all the people I've delivered and, you know, the people that I still will take care of, but not deliver, you know, it, it I'm not saying any of that is something that I hated or didn't want to do, or, you know, not at all, but in this business, there's no way to do it a little bit. Like I can't just say, I'll just deliver people who are already part of my practice. And that will be maybe a few people a year, because when you really think of it that way, I have to be um, insured. Mm -hmm. And the malpractice situation is such that either you do it or you don't do it. And if you're going to do it, you have to be fully insured for the liability that that, that give, brings your way. And so it, it could, wouldn't make sense in a lot of ways to say, I'm going to pay for all this malpractice insurance and I'll deliver two people a year, you know, because then actually I'd be paying to deliver them. And honestly, if I were independently wealthy and, you know, I, I would volunteer and maybe go and do some deliveries or something like that. But, you know, to do it as your own entity in your own practice. Doesn't make it, as much it, sense. It, yeah. It's, it's um, regulated by more than just what I would like to do, you know? Yeah. I'm sure the fact that you like have your blog and your two books and you like are really good about documenting your stories and experiences. I'm sure that you're going to go back to those in like the next couple of years, just because even though you're, I don't know, it's just, it's always going to be a part of you. And it's, it's such an important piece of why you became a doctor and why you were excited about becoming a doctor. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, when I look into, you know, the books that I've written about mostly things that have happened in the delivery room or in the hospital, I go right back there like it was yesterday, knowing um, that, that those experiences are just so imprinted in my brain that I, I really just remember. Yeah. And, it, and they're happy memories, you know, as much as they mostly happen in the middle of the night or as much as they, you know, are fraught with worry when something happens unexpectedly, you know, it's still the memories, the general memories are, are really happy, really happy. Yeah. And your patients are just so lucky that they got to know you and you're just so attentive and so caring, so kind. People are just like going to remember the best experiences from having you as their doctor. And yeah, it, nice. it, that's, that's a, a very, very nice feeling. I mean, I've had some, some wonderful comments from patients. Somebody said to me last week, um, so 
can I be grandfathered in? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I have three kids. I wanted to have another one, but I think I would make my decision on whether or not you're going to deliver. And I was like, please don't make a decision based on me. She's like, can't you just slip me in? That's funny. <laughs> I mean, and it's so, and you know, I get that they really want that experience with me. And, and yes, it, a lot of it could be me, but a lot of it is really about me being the person that they know through their whole pregnancy and am going to be there to deliver them. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's a valuable thing. And and many people have come back to me and said, now I get it. <laughs> now I see how valuable that was. And, you know, yeah. I've enjoyed that too. Those relationships are just amazing that, you know, knowing so many people that I know their whole family, they send me Christmas cards with all the babies I delivered. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's great. It's intimate. Really great it's a really thing. intimate experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm really, really proud of you. I'm excited to see Thank how... You how those feelings progress and change over the next couple months and years. Uh, and, you know, as you said, you'll still be doing the the gynecology part of your career for another couple years. And so I'm, I'm really excited today we're having you on specifically to talk about a really sexy topic, which is <laughs> vaginal infections and conditions. Um, I want to know, you know, I came to you a couple of weeks ago, we were like on our vacation or on our family vacation. And I was like, okay, you were like, okay, what do you want me to talk about? And I was like, okay, tell me what, like, what are people coming to you? What are patients saying to you? And this was a topic that you feel really, really passionate about for many reasons, which I'll let you say <laughs> in a second. But why don't you tell me, why did you want to talk about this? Like, give us some context with how often this comes up in your practice with patients coming to you with these questions. Well, it's very funny because you mentioned it to me again, like you said, when we were on vacation a couple of weeks ago. And I said, you know what? It seems like I see a lot of people with these complaints, you know, vaginal symptoms and problems. But from the moment we got back from that vacation, I decided to count. <laughs> because, <laughs> you kept you know, a tally? Yeah, because I, you know, I work in an office where I'm the only practitioner in the office right now. And uh, I feel like this is like a pervasive problem. Like it feels like maybe 40 or 50% of my patients are having vaginitis problems or infectious type problems. So I decided to count one, how many patients do I see in a day or then tally at the end of the week for these complaints or problems? And how many people call, not really wanting to be seen, but call and go, I have these complaints. They want a solution. Exactly. So I counted. And now I see in the office, I'm on a busy day, I see about 24 people a day in the office. And on a slow day, maybe somewhere between 16 and 18. I literally counted and every single day, there were at least three appointments for something vaginitis related wow. or something that you would put in that category and two to three calls a day. A day. Wow. Just and, in the past and, couple of weeks. Yes. And this runs the spectrum because I take care of, you know, girls, women, teenagers, older ladies, the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. I looked at who is the youngest person who called and she was 14. And who is the oldest person who called and she was 87. Oh, okay. So, and I can tell you right now, they're obviously not looking at the same problems, right? right? But the complaints are very similar. And you know, if you ask me why I think this is a topic that needs to be talked about, it's mostly because there are so many different things that it could be. And if there's really, I guess this should be my conclusion, but if there's one thing I really want to drive home, it's really hard to know what you're treating hmm. without somebody who knows, at least the first time, taking a look. Because right. I, I exactly had this situation this week where somebody called and said, you know, I'm having a yeast infection. I, I feel like it's yeast. It's itchy. I have some discharge. Can you just send a diflucan, you know, a, um, a fluconazole, which is the oral medication for yeast, which many people take. I'm it's guilty prescription. of doing that, by the way. Okay, I also but the do thing, that. It's, it's, in a, it's in a different situation, though, because if you, let's say, are somebody who kind of has a bunch of yeast infections that have been like already diagnosed, and then you go to the gym, and you're sweating, and you know that the moisture might be a reason that that yeast might grow. And then you get the exact same symptoms. You have symptoms that have been discussed with a practitioner, have already been treated in the recent past. Yes, you may be somebody I might be able to do that over the phone. Or if you're my daughter, I might be able to treat you without examining you. Right. But this person that called saying, this is yeast, let me just have a diflucan or something. 
I said, no, uh, you know, I always look back in the chart and say, when was the last time I saw her? What was I treating her for the last time I saw her? What is it likely to be based on her history? And then nine times out of 10, I go, no, I'm not going to call something in for you. You really do need to come in. And in this practice, I make that time for them. I don't say you need to be seen and then go, you can't be seen for three weeks because that, that doesn't make any sense. We do have emergency spots for seeing people. So she, that's what she wanted. And I said, just come in for a quick visit. I even came in early in the day to see her like before we started so I could just look and do a quick culture. And I said, it might be yeast, but it really doesn't look like that to me. Let me send the culture off and we could use something temporary, not an antibiotic or anything, but just something to, to soothe your discomfort. You know, there are things that you could use like externally, like protectants or, you know, some creams or something that don't necessarily treat it, but kind of temporize you until you know what it is you're treating. Well, P.S., three days later, the cultures came back with trichomoniasis. And trichomonas is, it is considered a sexually transmitted infection. It is something that like both partners should be treated for. It's certainly not cured by a diflucan, Mm. you know? So I would have really been doing her a disservice by just calling something in because one, it delays you from getting the right diagnosis. And two, you're treating something that's not really even there. So why have somebody take an, either an antibiotic or an antifungal or something like that when they don't even have that infection. So if I have to drive some, you know, final plea to people, you know, one, please get somebody to take a look so that they can either culture or tell you what they think is going on. And two, almost everybody self-treats, mm. you know, by the time I see somebody, I would say they have at least spoken to their friends or gone to the store or and gotten Googled. something over the counter that may or may not make things worse. And it makes it harder to diagnose when I see them. And yeah. they also don't even sometimes tell me what they did, you know, and I don't, I'm not going to fault somebody for wanting to be more comfortable, obviously, if it's Saturday and my, I, sure. my place is closed and whatever, but I just feel like that whole, you know, idea of don't see it and just treat it or self-treat it with, you know, with, I had this old tube of something that I had, I had an infection last year. So, or I, oh, I had the best one the other day. I used a tube of my mother's cream. You know, like, how do you know? I mean, I wouldn't even touch someone <laughs> else's she cream. Get it from? <laughs> it's not, I didn't think you caught it from your mother. You right, know? Right. <laughs> so, but anyway, it's right. just the thing of like not treating things that you don't know what you're treating. But it, the way that you're saying this, I didn't really make this connection before, but it kind of makes sense in this like, economy that we're living in where we're so used to getting everything quickly, right? Like fast food, Amazon next day delivery. Like we're really used to like quick meals, like heating up a frozen thing from Trader Joe's. Like we have, as an American society, have become very impatient about healing. And I think even when we get a cold, right? Like I know for myself, you and I both had a cold in the past week. Every day I was taking zinc. I was taking emergency. I was like, when can I end this? Right? Like we have very (laughs) little Mm -hmm. patience. um, And I'm definitely one of these people for these kinds Mm -hmm. of things. So I wonder if it's a a thing where it's like, oh, I have a yeast infection. I know what this is for sure. I'm just going to go solve the problem. But like we we were talking about on vacation when we were talking about this, this can cause resistance to antibiotics and to other kinds of things that you may need to take in the future where your body isn't really well equipped as well as it was before to handle that medication. Right. And that can definitely be a timing issue. There aren't a lot of clinics that you can just walk into, maybe Planned Parenthood, you know, but and some other places, but it's hard to get the right diagnosis right away. And there's plenty of people online who say, use my test kit or, you know, buy this from my website and Mm. this will fix your vagina. And I can tell you that I see a lot of people buy a lot of things and come back worse than they were before because they don't know what's in them. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Okay. So let's talk, let's get uh, down with the deets on like what exactly, what kinds of vaginal infections we're talking about. I'd love for you to talk through maybe like three most common vaginal infections and conditions as well as their symptoms. And before you do that, I found a recent, a recent ish stat from the CDC um, that bacterial vaginosis is the most common cause of vaginal symptoms among women. Uh, It's not clear what role sexual activity plays in the development of BV. The prevalence in the U S is estimated to be over 21 million among women ages 14 to 49. And that's almost 30% 
of women in that age group. So that that's a lot. That's a huge number of people who are struggling with BV or who have had BV. Right. The last statistic I read was actually 35% of people with vaginas at some point will have a BV infection. Okay. So just any age, basically. Yeah. So let's talk first like terminology. So there's a lot of words going around like, you know, is it a vaginosis? Is it vaginitis? Is it inflammation? So just the term vaginitis, vaginitis itself, itis, anything with an itis is an inflammation. It could be an inflammation because of an infection and BV or bacterial vaginosis is one of those infections that could give you vaginitis. But vaginitis is kind of the the umbrella term. And vaginitis is anything that causes you to have symptoms, anything that causes inflammation, anything that causes discharge, just kind of the big umbrella term. And then figuring out what among all the different things that it could be is the job of the clinician and then to treat it properly. There also are a lot of, um, let's say, inflammatory conditions which don't have to do with infection at all and and. That's an incredibly common thing, especially in the older population. I'll talk about just menopausal women for a minute. Many uh, peri and postmenopausal women come in and they do have this um, copious, uh, it almost looks yellowish green kind of discharge. And they are 100% convinced that this is some horrible infection. And many of them are not sexually active and have not been sexually active in a very long time. And when I was at the beginning of my training, Sometimes I would put a small speculum in there to take a look in the vagina and I would see this like like copious, like lots of yellowish kind of discharge. And I would think, wow, that is some bad infection. And nine times out of 10, nothing grows out of it. But the, the culture swabs that I use not only checks for many different kinds of infections, it also checks to see if you've got the normal vaginal flora uh, that is supposed to be in the vagina. And that's a, a, a large group of um, bacteria that are normal inhabitants of the vagina, which are a lactobacillus species. And there are several different types of lactobacillus. If you don't have those in your vagina, then you can't fight off infections. And mm. not only can you have discharge just because you don't have the right lactobacillus and the vaginal tissue gets very dry and that dryness causes its own discharge. So not everything that looks like an infection is an infection. And and I would say maybe about 40% of the time that somebody really thinks they had an infection and I culture and no infection comes out, but the, the culture that says whether or not they have the right lactobacillus says you're lacking all of them. I have to kind of flip the narrative instead of like, here's something to take for your infection here's how you make your vaginal environment more healthy, Mm. bring back the lactobacillus for the long term and keep it that way so that you don't keep getting these discharge and episodes of discomfort back. So, you know, there's kind of the non-infectious things and the infectious things. So we're going to talk mostly about what I see in like a younger population and up to the age of perimenopause. Definitely those are infections. And the most common infections that we see are BV, which is bacterial vaginosis. And there are many different species that are involved in that. I'm not going to go into all the like different names of them, but basically it's a group of bacteria that make BV. Um, Yeast infections, so candida. And there are also different types of candida. I've been kind of lucky enough, like through the years, going through all the different tests that I have tried with different labs. I really have focused now on this one Um, set of tests from this one lab that I use where I can do any test that I want, as well as look at the presence or absence of these lactobacilli. So we do look at the different types of species of yeast, because if someone comes up with a candida infection or a yeast infection, that's not the typical yeast, which is usually something called candida albicans. That's the most common. That's probably 90% of yeast infections. But there are other yeasts. There are other yeasts that can be inhabiting the vagina and will cause just as bad itching, discharge, all the symptoms, and worse, because they're much rarer um, yeast species and are not treated by the typical yeast medications. So if somebody just says, I think I have a yeast infection, you give them the typical yeast medication, you may be treating a species of yeast that they don't even have. 
And you can only know what species with the swab. Exactly. It's a, it's a, um, it's considered a nucleic acid test where you're actually testing the genetics of the species so that you can identify it. I mean, there are a lot of other ways to test. When I was in training, we did a lot of like, we had a microscope in the office and you could actually take a swab, put it on a slide. And with different kinds of reagents, you can tell whether something looked more like BV or more like yeast. Not only don't I have a microscope, I don't have the time to do that, even though it's, it's a pretty good test. But these nucleic acid tests are really the standard of care right now, where you actually check to see that the, the, the genetics, the DNA or the RNA of what you're looking for is actually there. Okay. So essentially, wait, did you name the third? No. <laughs> okay. The third is kind of a group that's just in the group of STI, so sexually transmitted infections. So I personally, in my um, office, don't see a lot of gonorrhea. But there is a lot of gonorrhea out there right now, and especially resistant forms of gonorrhea in, you know, in, in other clinics, in other populations. But I do see chlamydia and I do see trichomonas. So that would be kind of the group. Flicking the bean, wanking, self-loving, jilling off, menage a moi. All of these are different and very creative ways to say masturbation. For 21 days, I conducted a masturbation experiment with one of my favorite vibes ever, the magic wand. In a nutshell, I wanted to answer one question. What is the impact of daily magic wand use on my health and wellness, as well as my sexual experience when compared to regular sexual activity and no sexual activity? The results surprised me more than I thought they would. Want to see the hypotheses and the results for yourself? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand experiment to learn more. Let's talk about lube and condoms. Something important to know is that oil-based lube is not to be used with condoms because the oil can cause the condom to break or tear, which would defeat the purpose of using it. Thank goodness for Uber Lube. Uber Lube is latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. But wait, there's more. Dispensing two drops of Uber Lube inside a condom and a measured pump outside will increase pleasure. What are you waiting for? Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. I'm sure you've heard the phrase bottoming before, but do you really know what it entails, pun intended? When it comes to anal sex, there's typically a top and a bottom, and any combination of the two. The top is defined as the insertive partner, and the bottom is defined as the receptive partner. If you're interested in anal play or bottoming, the three major muscles in our butt need to be relaxed for complete and successful entry. After you've started to experiment with the tip of a finger or a butt plug with lots and lots of lube, you may want to slowly graduate to a pre-bottoming anal training routine to ensure the best experience. Enter the glass anal dilator set with three gradual dilators, small, medium, and large plugs from Future Method. And an important fun fact, an anal surgeon designed these glass dilators so you know that he's got your back and your bottom. To learn more about bottoming and the glass dilator set, go to futuremethod.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at checkout. Let me tell you about one of my favorite pleasure product retailers out there, Lion's Den. If you haven't heard about Lion's Den before, I can't wait to tell you about them. Lion's Den opened its first retail facility in Columbus, Ohio in 1971. That's right, over 50 years ago. Since then, they've grown to more than 50 outlets throughout the U.S., building their reputation on high-quality products, low prices, and a knowledgeable sales staff who can help you find the perfect toy. One of the many things I love about Lion's Den is that they advocate for a sex-positive perspective on intimacy and sexual well-being, and strive to break the stereotypes and stigma surrounding sex by providing comprehensive educational resources to empower everyone to enjoy life to the fullest. They are simply amazing. Lucky for you, Lion's Den is giving my listeners an exclusive discount of 15% off your purchase in-store and online with code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. What are you waiting for? Get your amazing Lion's Den toy now. Isn't trichomoniasis a parasitic STI? It's like an amoeba. So, yeah. And that is something really interesting to look at under the microscope because you actually see Moving it's little guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I teach about STIs to middle schoolers, we go over that there's like bacterial, viral, and parasitic, and crabs isn't as like talked about, but trichomoniasis falls under the parasitic. 
Um, it moves. It's that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, and what what about like what are, what are the differences I guess then between infections and conditions? What are like some of the kind of like perpetual or chronic I guess conditions that you see? Well, if you're looking at the infections, obviously most of them cause symptoms. Like I don't usually do a culture on somebody who's like completely asymptomatic unless somebody comes in and says, I had a new partner or I had unprotected sex, or I want to know that I'm negative for all of these, you know, sexually transmitted infections. If somebody's completely asymptomatic, I wouldn't run tests for like yeast and BV and all these other things because the reason to run them is because they're symptomatic and you want to identify what is causing their symptoms so you can treat them. So if some, if people come in symptomatic, the most common symptoms that I see, what, what, what makes people call us or say, I really need to get in today or soon so that I can feel more comfortable? Um, pain, right? Pain, burning, discharge, odor, um, sometimes lesions, and usually that would be some kind of viral lesions. Uh, other things, uh, you know, painful intercourse. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes bleeding that this shouldn't be happening. So, you know, all of those things, it, it's, it's kind of the detective job, you know, to one, take a really good history. When did it start? What are kind of your symptoms? How long have they been going on? What do you feel? What do you see? Does it burn when you urinate? All, all those things. Then it's important to do a really good exam. Examine the skin. You look at the outer area, you know, where the labia are, look where the hairline is. Then look at the skin of the inner labia, look around the opening to the vagina, and then look inside the vagina, look at the cervix. You know, certain infections will make the cervix very red and what we call friable. I mean, does the person have an IUD? This is a big kind of controversy. When I trained, the big answer, there was one answer to the question, do IUDs make people get more infections or do, are they more prone? And our answer was always, no, it has nothing to do with it. I'm not so sure now. Oh, interesting. There, Is there new you know, science? There's some literature that says maybe we can't find that that's the cause of it, but it's a string. You know, there's something called a biofilm, which there can be like a film that kind of forms on the string, which attracts bacteria, and then it protects that bacteria from being eradicated with whatever you want to try to use to get rid of it. So, and anecdotally, I never really tell somebody that, oh, if you have chronic bacterial vaginitis and you have an IUD, let's pull the IUD out and see if you're any better. But anecdotally, if people don't want the IUD in anymore or it was time to come out anyway, I have seen some people, not all, but some people say, hey, now I don't have those infections anymore. So who knows? You know, it could factor in to, you know, people who are having these chronic irritations or infections. So mm, Interesting. Mm. Let's talk about drugstore shelves because you kind of referenced this before. And I think eventually today we're going to talk about like what people can do to kind of like prevent recurring infections and, and what people can do to avoid them. But I think before we get there, it's really important to both of us to expose really BS kinds of products on drugstore shelves that we shouldn't really be, you know, that we should be talking about that people should know about. As far as what people should buy or use as far as products are concerned, I'm going to reference an article that was uh, that came out in September of 2022 by one of my favorite um, GYN authors, Dr. Jen Gunter. So she is a practicing She, by the way, might be coming on my podcast at some point. Wow. Yeah. That would be lovely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. So she's lovely. I mean, I read all of her stuff. I I really like her. And I I believe the same way that she does. Like, we should be very adamant about people who are trying to sell us shit, Mm -hmm. you know, and tell us that, you know, your, your genital area is not fresh or smells bad, and therefore you need these products to make it feel better. She wrote an article that's called All so-called feminine washes are trash. (laughs) So, and that's a pretty large, you know, variety of things, but I really agree with her that a lot of things on the shelves that have perfume, that have dyes, that have things on the labels that say intimate freshness, smell like a spring shower, you know, all, you don't need to smell like anything that comes out of a box. The vagina, if it's healthy, 
is a self-cleaning oven. And if you have the right lactobacillus, you should not have odor. You should not have itchiness and burning. Many people want to use something to keep that area clean. Of course, the best thing is really just plain water. You know, while you're in the shower, you can just rinse off in that area, pat dry, and that should be enough. If people want to use something, I feel like they should stay away from all the things that are hard selling, um, talking to you about how they will make you smell and feel better and you must use it ongoing to keep everything fresh. But people can use very gentle cleansers on the outside. You really should never stick anything inside the vagina that's designed to make it more clean mm-hmm. because it won't do that and will likely disrupt the pH or disrupt the natural <clears throat> environment of the vagina. So, you know, gentle cleansers. Dove makes like a, a gentle soap. It could be in a bar or in a, a liquid that you can use a little bit of and use it on the outside area. And it has no perfume, no dye in it. That's fine. There are a couple of other things that um, she also mentions in her article that I also recommend to my patients, something called CeraVe. Mm -hmm. Those products are very gentle. You can get a a gel that foams. You could get, you know, a liquid or a bar soap and also something called um, Eucerin. They make products that have like gentle cleansing or, you know, gentle ingredients in them that, that are not harmful, that will not destroy the, um, the skin surface and allow things to, you know, I see so many people that either shave or have, you know, hair issues where they'll get a folliculitis problem. From like an ingrown in. hair. <clears throat> yep. And a lot of it is because either vigorously cleaning or using product down there that doesn't belong and it gets into the hair follicles and then you know, just like getting a pimple, it it, it walls itself off, it becomes painful. And, you know, they end up in my office needing to have some procedure done or me telling them just, you know, warm soak it. And and then sometimes it becomes a bigger issue, like an infection. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, so basically anything, be wary of anything that says like smell better, feel better. You need to wash your vagina because you don't. Uh, And I would love to transition to people who experience recurring infections. Like I think it's more common that, and we didn't really talk about UTIs, but like UTIs are super common, can be really painful for people. Um, You mentioned yeast infections and and the other infections you talked about, but how, like, why do people get these recurring infections? What are like some of the most common reasons they get them? And is, is there anything that folks can be doing independently on their own that isn't necessarily being like, hey, prescribe me this medication, but more so like any lifestyle things or things that they should be doing in order to try to prevent this from recurring. If they're currently symptomatic, like with any of these symptoms that we described, itching, burning, discharge, odor, anything like that, very important to get that diagnosed and treated first. If I see people that, you know, it's a one-time thing, they really haven't had this recurring and we just treat them, then I don't tell them you need to be on some kind of lifetime correction for your vagina. But often, as you're describing, I'll see somebody and either cyclically, like every time they get their period, they end up having the same symptoms and thinking, oh, I have a recurrent yeast infection every month, which it probably is not, or They, um, every time they have sexual activity, again, they have the same issues with discharge, burning. And, you know, a lot of people will come in and go, it's just not worth it for me to have sex anymore because every time I do, I end up with an infection. Well, the answer is not giving up the sex, especially for me. I'm a gynecologist. I want people to have sex. Keeps me in business. Yeah. But, um, but you have to correct the environment of the vagina. So of course, first treat any infection that's there. And then if they want to be on some kind of a plan that will help them to not get these recurrent infections again, I mean, I'm very evidence-based, so I can't really say take a probiotic because there's not a lot of good evidence. There's not studies with double-blind random studies that say any particular probiotic is any better than another one with large populations of women. But we do know that the vaginal pH is supposed to be pretty low. And that is kept low and healthy by these lactic acid, acidophilus um, bacteria, these um, lactobacillus that produce the acid that keeps the vaginal pH low. If you have the lactobacilli and your pH stays low, that's a good way to 
fight chronic infections. But there's a lot of things at work to destroy that pH because what's the pH of blood? It's high. What's the pH of semen? It's high, Mm. right? So no wonder after a period or after sex, people feel like they're getting these chronic infections back. So there certainly are products that, and most of them are made with something called hyaluronic acid, which is the same product that older people like me use on our wrinkles. And what does it do? It brings more moisture. It plumps it up. It treats skin or the vagina that's the, where the, it's dry or the pH is too high, and it brings it back down. So there are several different products that don't have perfume in them and don't you know, make you smell like a flower, but they're just hyaluronic acid products. And if your listeners are interested, there are a few that I use in my office because I do have samples of them and I give them to patients to see if this would be something that they would like to use because it comes in gel, it comes in a suppository, it comes in a cream, but the basic ingredient is still hyaluronic acid. Some people feel like they want it with a little kind of an oily base, or some people say the cream is too messy or something like that. So I recommend trying some different products that all have this hyaluronic acid as its base and see what works best for you. And I'm not saying people should put that in every day, but I have kind of two ways that I, I advise people to use that kind of a product, which is if you're somebody who's had chronic infections, I've treated you now three times for something that's shown up on my cultures and we've treated it. As soon as the treatment is over, then go to using one of these products like twice a week or three times a week at bedtime so that it gets the vaginal pH back to where it it needs to be. Or sometimes whatever the inciting thing is that will make the pH go higher and make them symptomatic, right after your period finishes, use one suppository right then. So it kind of combats what's causing the pH to rise Mm. and brings it back down. I have some people that keep them on their bedside night table right after sex. You know, I mean, you know how some people say you got to get up and pee right after sex or you have to go wash right after sex. You don't have to wash. Sex does not inherently make you unclean or something. But if you find that for you personally, right after sex or, of course, unprotected sex where there's actually semen in the area that will change the pH. I have so many women who now right after sex, just insert a suppository that has Mm. hyaluronic acid in it and they're done. And this is their plan. And it's never my plan to say, you must come back every month so I can retreat your chronic infections. I don't want that. I want them to be able to do something on their own. I see the cat behind you with ears picking up. (laughs) Don't worry. She's just doing her thing. (laughs) So anyway, speaking of cats, um, anyway. (laughs) Nice. Um, but that's the kind of thing where, you know, where I love kind of having the relationship with the patient where she can write me a message through my patient portal, or she can call me and say, I'm using this, not really working for me. What else can I do? But the general idea is to get your lactobacillus back in there. And for some people, we've tried all the products. We try so many different things and they keep coming back with this problem and with no lactobacillus. In extreme situations, I will have a compounding pharmacy make up some special suppositories. And it's usually some older women who are like also lacking in estrogen because estrogen also helps you bring back the lactobacillus. So if it seems like just an atrophy issue or a dryness issue, using estrogen will help bring those lactobacillus back. But if that's not even working, there's a product that it can use that has estrogen along with lactobacilli, like actual acidophilus, which, you know, allow the normal um, flora to regrow and it recolonizes and repopulates and they feel better. Do you feel like people like women have always had these issues like for centuries or are like, is, are the things that we're consuming and like, are our bodies like more prone to these kinds of infect? Like, what do you think about like has that always been happening and just women have just been like suffering through these things or what is it? I think what you said about people wanting to have a solution and an answer like right, right away. away, there's no shortage of people out there online on the shelves, you know, saying, do you feel like this? That's not right. Do this, yeah. use this, wipe it with this, put this in there. And, 
because those are snake what oil. gets the loudest. Yeah, it gets the loudest volume. Mm. It gets loudest in your face, in your ears, you know. People listen to that and go, hey, you know, I do have like a little bit of white discharge. Should I not? Do I need to eradicate that with something? I mean, the best person to ask whether your discharge is something that looks normal is your doctor. Go let someone examine you because I, I would say in a, in a percentage of people, they are complaining. I'm looking and going, I see a normal cervix. I see normal looking ovulatory discharge. You know, there's some discharge that goes along with just normal ovulation. And sometimes just the reassurance is good. But if someone's uncomfortable, there are things that you can help them do to get more comfortable. But I'm certainly not going to be treating things that don't exist, mm. right? It's tricky. I feel like I've been there where I've been like, oh, I have these symptoms and like nothing I'm doing is working. And that can be really challenging for people, especially for chronic conditions or things that keep repeating. I know for some people who have a lot of sex, like them having recurring yeast infections, like you said, people coming in and being like, it's almost not worth it. Like the amount mm -hmm. of pain and annoyance that I get afterwards feels so frustrating. So if you're listening and that's you, like be a little patient, like know that you're not alone. A lot of people suffer from this and it's way more common than we think. And maybe like chat with your healthcare professional about like, you know, the list of options that you can try and what, you know, and your plan to try to figure out how you can combat it. Yeah. And the website that people should look to for the right information, I love the CDC website. They do have good information on many different infections, BV, yeast infections, STIs. One little plug I'm going to give that um, I didn't mention is that there is another bacteria that could live in the vagina in small amounts, something called mycoplasma or ureaplasma. These are other things that we don't go hunting for these. I don't swab people for these unusual things that and say, ah, you have this, we must treat you. But if somebody comes in and they're having discharge that looks unusual, not normal looking discharge, the pH is too high, and I swab, I may swab from some atypical bacteria sometimes. And I, I can't say that I have all the studies to say that this particular bacteria, like urea plasma, is the cause of all your symptoms. But if you see somebody and they have this kind of discharge and you get this atypical bacteria on your culture and you treat them for it, and actually something like mycoplasma and urea plasma, we do recommend even the, treating the partner because even though it's not an STI, because the difference between an STI and all these other things are things that you pick up on an STI screen are things that should never naturally be, you should, there's no natural gonorrhea that grows in your <laughs> vagina, right? So it, you know, there, but there are things that can be passed back and forth between people, but they're also natural inhabitants of the vagina in small amounts. So we do recommend sometimes treating a partner with something like that, but not like yeast. A lot of people come in and go, did I'm not getting this yeast from my partner? And I'm like, well, does he have like huge jock itch that, you know, he's scratching all the time and then touching your skin with his skin? Then yes, Maybe. it's skin to skin contact. But are you getting yeast because he's giving you yeast somehow? No. And I do want to also put a plug in for if you are having chronic things that look like yeast, always, always other workups there are to be done. Like people should be checked for diabetes. People should mm. be checked to see if they have autoimmune conditions. You know, these are down the road, but they are things that you have to think about. Somebody can't come in 10 times and be treated for yeast 10 times. And nobody said, what's your blood sugar doing? You mm. know, so that is another benefit of having some kind of relationship with a doctor or, you know, nurse practitioner or somebody that can look over time at your history and see what's most likely to be happening. If I see a, a menopausal woman come in and their complaint is something vaginal, if they're not using any estrogen or hormone replacement or anything vaginal, it's almost always vaginal dryness first that's causing the pain and, and the discomfort and, you know, the, the, the symptoms that they're having. So you go there not it's an infection all the time yeah and yeah like it, things can shift and change as you get older and your body reacts differently to different things and different partners like you said different semen you know if you're mm -hmm. having sex with one person and their semen is a different ph and affects your vagina differently you know you're someone who may want to consider like instead of letting the semen go inside of you like using a condom or whatever is like helpful for right. you at that time because you shouldn't be in pain and you shouldn't be frustrated with how you're feeling and it, right. it should feel good generally and also 
I do find a lot that sometimes women are not really aware of the architecture down there. Like I definitely have had people come in and go, um, oh, that mole, it's been there forever. You know, and I know we're not really talking about skin conditions here, but this is the benefit of having somebody look because at least three times in the past year that I can think of, somebody kind of just told me something was there or I noted it on an exam did a biopsy of it. And it turned out to be something that really would have been bad had we just left it alone, you know, like pre-cancers. I had one person with a cancer that didn't look like cancer to me. It looked like a birthmark, but I said, you know, that's kind of new. Let's take that off. So, you know, it is just like, it's good to have a dermatology exam where they do a skin check because there's areas that you don't see. For most people, the vulva is not a sun exposed area, you know? So, for things to be there that don't belong there or that crop up that are new or growing, always a good thing for somebody to take a look other than your partner who probably doesn't know what they're looking at, yeah. <laughs> unless they're a doctor too. <laughs> <laughs> Two and one. Um, well, this has been really, really insightful and really fantastic. It's always great to have you on the podcast, mom. Um, why don't you tell everyone what's next for you? Where can people find you? Um, and where can they buy your two really great books? Okay. I did want to, if it's okay with you, mention some of the products, the hyaluronic acid products. I'm not endorsing any one particular, but these are ones that have the base of hyaluronic acid in them. And one's a gel, one's a cream, and one is a suppository. So there is something called um, Hyalogyn. So that's H-Y-A-L-O-G-Y-N. And the website for that is thatname.com. And that's a gel of hyaluronic acid. There is something called VIA, which is V-I-A. That's a cream. And the website for that is something called Solve Wellness, S-O-L-V, wellness.com. And then there is a suppository called Reverie. And that comes from a company called Bonafide. And the website is hellobonafide.com. So those are just three choices. And then what's next for me? Um, Well, now that I won't be really delivering any babies anymore, my office practice will go on. It will be just a gynecology practice, which I'm doing a lot of anyway. So I will be seeing lots of menopausal women, perimenopausal women, and um, younger women for birth control. I put in a lot of IUDs. We do a lot of Nexplanon. So I will be very busy in that part of the practice. I also will still see people who are trying to get pregnant, and I can help them with some kind Mm. of um, evaluation or fertility management um, up to a certain point. I'm not a fertility expert, but also, um, you know, contraception and um, STI testing and and anything that women and girls need through the spectrum. It's been a really interesting year because I do have a nurse practitioner, you know, my lovely nurse practitioner, Lily, who works with me. And she has been out because uh, she had some surgery for a couple of months now. And she has a kind of a large following of young ladies that she sees. So teenagers and um, young 20 year olds. And I mostly was seeing the pregnant people, but also the the older population. And now that she's been out, I've been seeing everybody. So I get to see the widest spectrum of gynecology care that could possibly be, like I said, youngest 14 or so. I just had a, a patient who I take care of who said, I need to bring my daughter to you. She is 15 and I think she's about to have sex. And I'm like, I'm all for it. You know, uh, we talk about consent. We talk about, you know, contraception, everything. So I love all of that. So I'll be continuing to do all of that. Uh, I don't think I'll be waking up at night anymore because I don't think that, I don't think those constitute emergencies. So um, that that will be really good. I, I have written two books. One is called Womb with a View. And it's selling actually pretty well on Amazon, so you could get it there. And the other one is called Motherhood, Medicine, and Me. And that is a collection of stories, not only from the trenches of OB care and gynecology care, but that also has the stories of my own deliveries and my own obstetrical care. And um, of course, one of them is you. (laughs) I remember vividly. Spoiler um, alert. (laughs) Yeah. And the um, other really big thing that I'm doing now, which I'm actually focusing major parts of my attention and time on is I am writing a book that's going to be out in probably November or December. And it is called Perimenopause for Dummies. 
And that is from a collection of the Dummies books, those yellow books that everybody probably knows or at least has one on their shelf. And that company approached me um, uh, to write that book for them. And I am in the latter half of that process. And it's very exciting, very pressuring. <laughs> and You're doing great, though. I love to write. So that's that's pretty much what I've been doing. Can't wait to continue to support you and can't wait till your dummies book comes out. I will read it cover to cover pretty quickly and then tell everyone I know about it. And, oh, and the, the one most important thing that I'm going to be doing over the course of the next year, I hope, is helping you plan your wedding. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, yep. Um, my partner and I, my fiance and I are getting married uh, in a year almost. So we're, yeah, I'm really, really excited about that. Still got to buy my dress, still got to do a lot of good things. Um, and yeah, definitely uh, need your help with that. So very excited <laughs> that you wanted to. And that. I happen to have more free time now. Yes, you do. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> uh, well, I'm again, mom, really proud of you. What a special day that we got to interview you on uh, at the end of part of your career journey and continuing on a whole new chapter. Um, thank you for being on. I love you so much. Love you too, and I'm very proud of you as well. Thanks, Mom. Okay, love you. Bye. Our creator, host, and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalow. Our producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our associate producer and communications coordinator is Sadie Ligi. Our marketing coordinator is Kate Fiala. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thanks so much to our featured guests, partners, and listeners. Want to partner with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. For exclusive content and to submit an anonymous sex ed question, check out my new podcast on Fridays, Curious Sex Ed, hosted with Mariah Caudillo of Sex Ed Files. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash curiouseed to learn more. See you next time.